Hey, hey, what is going on, my friends? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We got quite a bit to talk about today. Uh, we'll be starting off everything with some Monday Night Football. Then, we going, then we'll be going over some of uh, the other key scores from Week 5, as well as some NFL news. And then I'll be going over some, uh, play, uh, some baseball playoff action. Of course, we have the American League Divisional Series and also the National League uh, Divisional Series that we got to get through. So we'll be going over that and some news there as well. And then I'll be wrapping everything up with all the top 25 college football action from over the weekend. And then I'll be going over the top, the newest top 25 rankings as well. Uh, but like I said, let's get right into it. Of course, uh, we had some Monday Night Football action. And uh, the Niners, they get their fourth one on the season coming off of a bye week. Uh, they get a really big uh, statement win, in my opinion, against the Browns. 31 to 30 is the final score here. Of course, the Niners remain undefeated at 4-0, and the Browns fall to 2-3. Let's break down the stats here. For the Browns, of course, they were led by quarterback Baker Mayfield. Well, I wouldn't even say led here because he didn't do too much. He went 8-22 for 100 passing yards. He also had zero, zero touchdowns, and he threw two picks as well. On the ground, Nick Chubb will lead the way with 87 rushing yards, probably one of their only bright spots. And wide receiver Jarvis Landry was their leading receiver with four catches and 75 yards. OBJ didn't do nothing either. He only had two catches in 27 yards. And on defense, nothing really notable here, uh, but defensive end Miles Garrett and also defensive end uh, Chad Thomas were able to get sacked. So, not too much to say here uh, for the Browns. You know, not really any type of effort in my opinion. Uh, but let's move on to the Niners, of course. Uh, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo did his thing, going 20 of 29 for 181 passing yards. He also threw for two touchdowns as well. Running back Matt Breida would lead all rushes with nine, 114 yards, excuse me. He would run for a touchdown as well as catch a touchdown pass as well. Uh, running back Tevin Coleman would also do his thing on the ground, running for just 97 yards, so a little bit under 100. They almost had 200-yard rushers, that being the Niners. So again, the Browns have a lot of questions to answer uh, coming into this week and also he would run for a touchdown as well of course George Kittle was a leading receiver for the Niners with six catches 70 yards he also had a touchdown there as well on uh, defense the Niners got uh, definitely some help from their linebacker Fred Warner who had five total tackles uh, rookie the rookie defensive end Nick Bosa had a monster game as well four total tackles and two sacks uh, he was in Baker's Baker Mayfield's face the entire game uh, of course they played each other uh, at one point in time in college Baker was able to get the win there did some uh, did some taunting and all that of course that's Baker Mayfield style and it looks like uh, Nick Bosa returned the favor in this game planting the flag I loved it uh, especially because of just just the air that the Browns have been coming into and not not necessarily the fan base uh, anything like that but the team you kind of see the team was feeling itself the entire uh offseason the entire build up to this season so i feel it uh the media hyped them a lot uh they said they would win all these games they wouldn't i thought it was crazy i thought they would barely get to eight or nine uh, i thought it would be a it would be an improvement from last year of course but all that stuff that they were talking about i knew it was bs so i'm glad i mean it's sad i know it's sad for baker i know it's sad for the cleveland fans but it's kind of funny as well. Uh, Richard Sherman, the OG for the Niners, he also did this thing as well. He had four total tackles, and he also had uh, one of those interceptions as well. And again, back to Nick Bosa's presence. Uh, he stayed in Baker Mayfield's pocket the entire night. Uh, he was bringing uh, the majority of the pressure. I think the Forrest Buckner was able to get a sack as well. Uh, but uh, I think... Uh, Boa Bosa also was able to strip him and he also was able to uh, lead uh, well with his pressure he was also able to lead Baker Mayfield into one of those interceptions as well uh, so again good game for the Niners I thought they really played great on all for all levels of, of, of football really um, they were able to run the game really well uh, run the ball very well they were able to pass the ball very well uh, on uh, special teams they of course they took away any big plays there uh, they may maintain pretty much good uh, starting field position throughout the entire game defensively uh, they were able to get pressure uh, if you go to the next level, the linebackers, they were able to contain. Uh, of course, you know, you had 87 rushing yards from Nick Chubb. But again, that's less than 100. And of course, uh, he had even more last week. Uh, forgot who they played last week. But again, 
a drastic drop off from what he was able to do last week. And if we talk about the secondary for the 49ers, it was lights out. Uh, Jarvis Landry was just kept to four catches. Uh, OBJ just had two catches and 27 yards. So again, uh, you know, really great game for the 49ers. And the question is for the now is the Browns is what what, what happened? I mean, I guess uh, the offensive line definitely needs some help. Uh, but, you know, again, I saw one thing I will say um and I'll just say this now. I was going to wait till I talked about these other games. Is the Browns were definitely overhyped. The Browns were definitely overrated coming into this year. Um, I don't know why. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I I get it. You know, the players in this league, they want to expand their brand. And they want to take their name out a little bit farther. So they get into commercials. They get into doing, you know, uh, superstar things, you know, Baker Mayfield was in a ton of commercials going into this offseason. Uh, he was in a ton of uh, media firestorm because of his comments, whether it be about former head coaches, whether it be about current rookie quarterbacks, uh, they're putting them down, you know, and, you know, the thing is, when it's all said and done, he's the one, in my opinion, that does not look as as great as the rest of them. Um, I saw a ton of action uh, of, from Sunday, and I saw, you know, L- Lamar Jackson. I saw Pat Mahomes. Uh, I saw even, um, uh, excuse me, Jacoby Brissett. They look to be so, uh, just so much more leader-like in the pocket and just so much more a leader than Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. Um, and even when they're under duress, and of course, not all these guys had great numbers uh, on Sunday afternoon, in which we will get to, um, but they had slightly better numbers than his. And in my opinion, um, they did not take away from their team's ability to win. Lamar Jackson, for one, did not have one of the greatest throwing games he ever had. I think he threw for probably the most interceptions he's had uh, since he's been in the league last week versus Pittsburgh. Uh, and that's and he's been in the league for just a little while, but again, I think he threw about three interceptions in that game, uh, something like that. But again, he did not. I mean, the, the throws that he made, the interceptions that he made, did not put his team in a position to lose. Uh, he was a, still able to make plays down and down the stretch when it counted, and it just looked like when he wanted to, and, and you know, he could he could make a play. Uh, same thing with Jacoby Brissett and also Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they both played a very great game, uh, I would say, Sunday night, despite the numbers, again, despite the, the uh, statistics. Uh, but again, they played a back and forth game and they made really cl- clean plays, you know, by extending the runs, uh, by moving around the pocket and just the way that they twitched that ball, the way that they put the ball where it needs to go. In my opinion, it's much better than what Maker, Baker Mayfield can do. Uh, I think he's probably the, he has maybe a bigger arm. He definitely has some moxie behind him, but I don't think he's he's that great of a leader. I don't think he's really as great of a quarterback as people are trying to give him credit for. So again, the word is out on him. Teams have been doing their homework on the Browns and uh, specifically Baker Mayfield, and you're starting to see that they're not really uh, an off that awesome of a team in my opinion. They were a little bit. They were definitely overhyped coming into the year. Uh, let's break down some other key scores from over the uh, for over week five. Uh, we have the Eagles here uh, beating the Jets thirty-one to six. At this point in time, the Jets are uh, sorry. The Jets are now yet. Yeah, they are now still winless at zero and four. The Eagles move up to three and two. We're gonna break the stats down in this one as well. Uh, of course, for the uh, Jets on offense, they were led by quarterback Luke Falk. He went fifteen to twenty-six for 120 yards, two interceptions, and no touchdowns. Running back Le'Veon Bell would have 43 yards on the ground and 45 receiving yards. His season is going to be a dumpster fire. You should have just stayed. You should have just stayed in Pittsburgh, bro. should have just stayed in Pittsburgh. Was it worth it? You and Antonio, was it worth it to leave it? To leave it all behind? Hmm. Sure hope it was. Wide receiver Vincent Smith would lead all. Well, actually, he wouldn't lead anybody rushing wise, but or receiving wise, but he would have a rushing touchdown as well. And wide receiver Demarius Thomas would be that leading receiver for the Jets with four catches and 47 yards. On defense, uh, the Jets got some help from Neville Hewitt, who had 10 total tackles at the linebacker spot. They also got some help from uh, defensive, uh, sorry, rookie defensive tackle. Quentin Waves, who had five total tackles. For the Eagles, uh, Carson Wentz had a pretty de- well, pretty decent game. 17-29 for 189 yards. He also threw for a touchdown pass. 
Running back Jordan Howard would have 62 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Tight end Zach Ertz would be the leading receiver for the Eagles with five catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. And on defense, the Eagles were led by linebacker uh, sorry, Brandon Graham, who had six total tackles and three sacks. Also, Rodney McLeod, who had six total tackles and interception. And also defensive back Orlando Scandrick, who has two sacks as well. And on defense, uh, as a team, the Eagles would have actually 10 sacks as well. So uh, just getting to the quarterback all day. Luke Folk didn't have time. Uh, Sam Donald, I know he's happy. Well, he might not be happy he didn't get to play, but um, I'm pretty sure he's happy he didn't get to take all them hits yesterday. So I'm sorry on Sunday. So uh, he's still out. Uh, he's looking to come back within the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, actually, there really was no timetable because there was a word out that his uh, spleen had gotten large. So he's still going through some things right now. And the Jets, of course, they're burning. They're burning. Uh, we got uh, another key game here. We got the Vikings. <clears throat> excuse me. The Vikings taking out the Giants, twenty-eight to ten. Uh, the Vikings will move up to three and two after a two-game, uh, two, two-game winning streak. The Giants uh, drop one to go two and three. Uh, let's break down this one as well. Uh, on offense, of course, the Vikings uh, got their help from Kirk Cousins, who had a really turnaround. Who had a pretty good turnaround game, despite all that's been going on uh, the past week or so with Stephon Diggs missing Patrick, Patrick practice, excuse me, and all the rumors swirling. Of course, uh, Tavon Diggs has decided that he wants to still remain um, a, a Viking for what it's worth. So we'll see how far this goes. Um, so he did throw for two touchdowns. So again, better game, 306 passing yards. So a better game from Kirk Cousins. On the ground, uh, running back Dalvin Cook will lead the way uh, with 132 yards and also um also, six catches, 87 yards. I think he had a no, no, no receiving touchdowns, but he did have six catches and 86 yards. Uh, the leading receiver for the Vikings on Sunday was Adam Thielen at the wide receiver spot. He had seven catches, 130 yards, and also two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, of course, he missed practice, so he only caught four passes for 44 yards. <clears throat> That's what happened when he missed practice. <clears throat> On defense, the Vikings were led by Daniel Hunter. Uh, the defensive end had seven uh, seven total tackles and two sacks. And also the other defensive end, Efeide Obenigu, also had four total tackles and a sack. And on special teams, Dan Bailey, he would do his thing, uh, providing uh, providing the Vikings with 14 points, going four for four on his field goals. For the Giants, of course, uh, the rookie Daniel Jones got a Got another start, going 21 to 30 for 182 yards. He would go, he would throw for a touchdown, but also an interception. The Giants had just 61 rushing yards in total, so they are still missing Saquon Barkley. It ain't going too well in the running department. Uh, but uh, the leading receiver was uh, wide receiver Darius Slayton, who had four catches and 62 yards. And on defense, they were helped out by uh, safety Antoine Bethia, who had nine total tackles, and also defensive tackle uh, Dexter Lawrence, who had five total tackles and a sack. Um, let's move on to the final key game of the week. This one was the upset. Um, Really good game, really, really good uh, play game here. Uh, the Colts were able to get the upset against the Chiefs, 19 to 13. The Chiefs move on to three and two. Of course, the Chiefs. This is their first loss of the year. That surprised me. They are now four and one. Uh, on, um, let's break down the stats here for the Colts on offense. Of course, the Jacoby Brissett uh, will lead the way. He had 151 passing yards. He did throw for interception, but he did run for a touchdown as well. Marlon Mack had a good game on the ground with 132 rushing yards. Running back. Naheem Hines had a receiving touchdown, and he was pretty much uh, the main focal point in the receiving uh, in the receiving uh, department. I think T. Y. Hilton was uh, the leading receiver in terms of yards on defense. Uh, the Colts were helped out, helped out by defensive back George Odom, who had six total tackles, and also defensive end Justice Justin Houston, who had four total tackles and a sack. And by the way. Justin Houston used to play for the Chiefs. There you go. On special teams, Adam Benatieri had a comeback game. He's been struggling throughout this entire season, contemplating uh, walking away from the sport, if I was not mistaken. But here, had a pretty good game for the squad. He went 4-4 on his field goal attempts and also uh, brought the Colts 13 points. There you go. Uh, moving on, uh, we have the Chiefs here. The Chiefs, of course, uh, Patty Mahomes led the way for them. He had two, he went 22 of 39 for 321 yards. He did throw for a touchdown pass, and that was all on a bum 
Well, his uh, his ankle was kind of jacked up, so he was still able to do his thing. He just came up a little bit short uh, last week. Running back Damian Williams will lead the way with 23 rushing yards, so not a lot to account for there in terms of rushing. Uh, but wide receiver Brian uh, Byron Pringle will lead all receivers with six catches, 103 yards, and also a touchdown. And wide receiver Nicole Hardman would also have 79 receiving yards. On defense, uh, the, the Chiefs will be helped out by linebacker Damian Wilson, and also, who had 12 total tackles, and also Tyron. Tyron Matthews, uh, Tyron Matthew, excuse me, who had um, four total tackles and an interception. So let's move on uh, to the news uh, out here. We have a couple stories to break down here. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, the main the main story here. Uh, Jay Gruden, uh, the head coach, well, he's no longer the head coach of the Washington Redskins. He was fired yesterday after Washington went 0-5, well, after Washington went 0-5, uh, following their loss uh, on Sunday to the Patriots, 33-7. Uh, Case Keenum would get a chance to start at quarterback, but the rookie Dwayne Haskins and also Colt McCoy would see action as well. Uh, Washington by, uh, lost by, I believe it was five points on week one, and ever since then, it got worse and worse. Each loss was worse and worse. Uh, this loss, actually, they actually lost this game by 26 points, so it was increasing. It was increasing margin of increasing margin of points in terms of their losses. So, uh, not a good look for Jay. Not a good look for the Redskins at the moment. They seem to be all over the place. Uh, outside of outside of the lack of success, the current success, um, the word is surfacing that there was a rift between Gruden and also Dan Snyder, aka the ownership, based on. Um, Dwayne Haskins. It seems that uh, Jay Gruden was not a fan of Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State pro uh, product, and uh, he wanted to actually go with Daniel Jones. So that's that's crazy. I did not know that until um, a few days ago. But again, there was some rift there between the two of them. But um, as of now, the interim coach for the Redskins will be the garbage Bill Callahan, who is currently the offensive line coach. Bill Callahan is garbage because he's just a garbage coach for many reasons. Uh, go back to his stint with the Raiders. This is why I call him garbage. So he's garbage to me. Uh, but for now, he's going to be the Redskins head coach. And um, I guess we got to pray for them boys because it's it's looking ugly. I, one of these teams is going to be ended up like Detroit. Um, it's one of these teams is going to end up winless. I don't know if it's going to be the Dolphins or the Redskins. One of these teams, one of these miserable squads is going to end up winless. And finally, we do have a player signing. The Dolphins have decided to sign uh, sign tackle Antonio Garcia uh, recently following his four-game suspension for violating the league's policy on PEDs. He was drafted at Troy University in Alabama in 2017 in the third round. He is 25 but has seen limited playing time due to health concerns. Uh, in his rookie year, he did have a blood clot issue and then pretty much lack of production he was waived by um by both the jets and indiana and the indianapolis coats uh failing to make both of their 53-man rosters so again he hasn't really had too much playing time uh he's had some health issues issues and also some playing concerns as well and then of course he has the big ped issue as well but the uh, the dolphins i guess they're looking for some type of death on their offensive line that's their that's their choice uh but i'm gonna take a quick break and when i come back i'll be going through some baseball course we got to go through the mlb playoffs uh we have the divisional series uh this divisional series to talk about a few games to talk about there and then we'll be wrapping everything up like i said before with some college football uh some top 25 action from over the weekend and then also we're going to be going over the official the newest top 25 going into i believe it'll be weeks yeah week seven so uh, i'll be right back y'all all right All right, y'all, I am back, and I'll be breaking down the playoffs for the MLB real quick. Of course, we are in the uh, Divisional Series round. Uh, the ALDS is underway, and also, like I said, the NLDS is currently underway. Uh, but it, before we get into uh, last night's and yesterday's scores, I will be giving you guys some context uh, by giving you guys pretty much a weekend recap of what went on. Uh, now, over the course of Saturday and Sunday, we had the ALDS, a.k.a. the American League Divisional Series. Uh, they had their game twos uh the Yankees will go up to the zip in their series by beating out the uh, Twins 8-2. And the Rays um, would actually go down to the zip to the Astros in their series, uh, losing Saturday's game 3-1. Now, on Sunday, the National League Divisional Series would take over. Uh, we had Atlanta taking the lead in their series 2-1 with a win on Sunday, 3-1 uh, to one against the Cardinals. Uh, so that is the, that is the uh, first series there. We also got the 
Dodgers taking the lead in their series versus the Nationals. Uh, they had a win on Sunday uh, as well. 10 to 4 uh, was the final there. But things got things changed very drastically for certain teams Monday night and uh, Monday over the course of the day. But we're going to break those games down real quick. In the ALDS, of course, we had game four. Uh, the Astros uh, still lead that series 2 to 1, but they dropped that game. 10 to 3 to the Rays. Uh, in this one, uh, you have the Astros getting two RBIs uh, from their defensive, I'm sorry, from their designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez. He had two hits and two RBIs, and also they got a uh, RBI from their second baseman, Jose Altuve. Uh, pitcher, uh, pitcher Zach Grinke, uh, he would get the start, but he had a, he would have a very difficult time at it. He went for three innings, gave up five hits, and also six earned runs. Getting pulled uh, was not a good start from him, and just kind of fell apart for the Astros. Astros at that point, uh, but again, they're still they're still in the driver's uh, spot in that in, in terms of the, the series. But again, with a two to one lead. But again, um, the the Rays, you know, I'd be a fool to say they don't have any type of momentum. Uh, but for the Rays in that game, they were helped out by Kevin Kiermeyer. He had a three run home run, and also uh, Austin Meadows, the left fielder, would have two RBIs as well. And also five different players would get RBIs for the Rays. So again, it was a team affair. It wasn't just uh, all on that three-run homer uh, by Kevin Kalmer. Uh, but again, uh, a great team effort. And also, Charlie Morton would get the start. He had a, and it was a tailored two different starts. Uh, you know, Zach Rinke, he did not perform well on the mound. He was pulled after uh, three innings. Uh, but Charlie Morton, he did his thing. He, he was able to last the full five and get a official uh, get an official start. Uh, he was able to go five innings, three uh, gave up three hits, and just one on run. He also had nine strikeouts as well. So again, a good comeback game for the Rays. Uh, but just to let you know, the Houston Astros are still in the lead in that series two to one. Uh, we're gonna go on to the other ALDS, uh, ALDS game of the game of the day, uh, the game four between the Yankees and the Twins. Uh, the Yankees end up winning this one five to one to, to sweep the series. Uh, pretty handily, I might add. I pretty, I uh, was pretty um, confident in, in, in the least uh, the Yankees' ability to sweep that series. Uh, I was confident in the Houston Nationals being able to sweep as well, but it looks like that's not going to. Uh, but let's break this game four down here uh, for the Yankees. Uh, they had a good game from uh, shortstop Didi Gregorius. He had two hits and two RBIs. Bear Tours, uh, their second baseman, will go ahead and have uh, three hits and an RBI as well. And Luis Severino, uh, he is making his way back from some injuries. Uh, he's working himself out, but he had a pretty good start. He had uh, he went for four innings. He did give up four hits, uh, but he had no earned runs. He also had four strikeouts as well. And uh, for the bullpen uh, for the Yankees, really uh, really good outing from them. Uh, they basically took control of the rest of the game. Uh, they gave up just they gave up five hits though, but they only gave up one on the run. So and it was and again it. Just, the, the final score is five to one. That's all that matters. They sweep. That's all that matters. Uh, for the Twins, they got uh, tremendous help from Eddie Rosario, uh, but it wasn't enough. He got three hits in the RBI. And pitcher Jake Odorizzi, he had a good start as well. Uh, he went for five innings. Did, get, did he did give up five hits, but he only gave up two earned runs. He did have five strikeouts, but uh, things fell apart when the bullpen got in. The bullpen, of course, finished out the game. Uh, they went. They gave up five hits and also three earned runs, uh, just enough to keep him out of the. This is just enough to keep the game out of reach. So again, uh, great season for the Twins. A lot of a lot of power, a lot of home runs for them. Uh, but I think during the offseason, they're gonna have to look at that bullpen, look at those relievers, look at those closers as well, and maybe make a move because again, I think that's what lost them. That's definitely what lost them the series here, uh, especially in this, this final game because again, they had a really great start from Jake Odorizzi, uh, some good hitting from Eddie Rosario, but again, uh, the bullpen just couldn't pull through for them. They couldn't. They could not keep that game close. Uh, let's move on to the NLDS. We had one. We had a couple important games here as well. Of course, the only two. Uh, we had the Dodgers uh, taking care. Actually, the Nationals taking care of business against the Dodgers, tying that series at two to two games apiece. Uh, for the Dodgers, they got just one solo home run from their third baseman Justin Turner. Uh, the Dodgers would go on to have a total of five hits as a team, but again, that did not translate to any runs. Uh, they had their one of their pitchers coming back from injury, Rich Hill. Uh, he did not uh, really perform well. This being a first start uh since his knee injury in september he would 
would only go for two innings. He gave up two hits, uh, two two hits and earned run, and he just had two strikeouts. So again, he's still uh, coming back from that. And the Nationals exposed it um, for them. Uh, they had a really big three-run homer from Ryan Zimmerman uh, to push the game out of reach. He also had, he would go on to have two hits in total, and also their ba third baseman Anthony Rendon. I've talked about him for so many times here. He had three RBIs uh, to add to that as well. And Max Scherzer, of course, we we've talked about him. I mentioned his name before. I've actually called him Nick, and I shouldn't have. But again, baller baller game from him. Goes for seven innings, gives up four hits, but only one on run. He also had seven strikeouts as well. And like I said, this series is tied. The Nationals, uh, they've come to play. Uh, their, their football, the Washington's football team is garbage, but the baseball team. Right, they got they're getting my respect. They definitely got my respect. Uh, we have another huge game here, another series tying game here. The Cardinals were able to beat out the Braves five to four in ten innings. Uh, again, like I said, to tie up the series two games apiece. Uh, for the Braves, uh, they had a three-run home run for their second from their second baseman, Ozaino Albias, and also left fielder Adam Duvall got an RBI as well. Their biggest one of their biggest faux pas, though, their biggest blunders uh, was with Ronald. Cunha, uh, their possible MVP MVP candidate, uh, failed to run out a fly ball, and that will just that just led to some um, some um, some bad juju for them, in my opinion. Uh, but for the Cardinals, left fielder Marcelo Zuna had two hits in an RBI, and uh, catcher Yadier Molina had one hit and two RBIs, but he had the game-winning sacrifice fly, like I said, at the bottom of the tenth to win the game. Yadier Molina, if you don't know too much about him, uh, old school—I wouldn't say old school per se—but definitely one of the OGs on that uh, on that that Cardinals team. He's been there for all their World Series runs. A very timely hitter. And again, this is just what he does. And he came through for them tonight or last night. And again, that series is now tied two games apiece. So uh, it's very interesting. And see, there's the pattern here. It looks like the American League teams, at least the favorites in those series, are kind of having their way right now with the Astros being up two games to one and also the Yankees sweeping that game. Uh, but in the National League, very stiffer competition I'm seeing right now. Of course, both both series are tied right now. Uh, the Dodgers are giving, well, the Nationals are giving the Dodgers all that they have. Uh, again, uh, I, I, I'm not surprised though. This was probably one of the, these are two of the harder uh, divisions to really call, or well, at least the series, excuse me, the playoff series to call for me. Both of these, all four of these teams that are playing each other right now in the National League are really good and they're really kind of similar. Um, if you look at them, they have really good hitting uh, and they hit for at good averages and, you know, they have some decent power, but they all have pitching staffs as well. Uh, Washington has uh, Scherzer, has a couple of the guys in that rotation. Obviously, he has some he has, you have some cats on that, that squad that can hit as well. Or Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, if you go to uh, the Dodgers, same thing. You have Hinjin Ryu. You have uh, Clayton Kershaw in that rotation. As far as hitting goes, they have Max Muncy. Of course, you had a solo home run last night from Justin Turner. So these teams are really, uh, in a way, they're really even. Same thing with the Cardinals and the Braves. Uh, the Cardinals, uh, they have Fulton Nevitz as, uh, the Cardinals, sorry, not Fulton Nevitz, that's uh, the Braves. Uh, but for the Cardinals, they have Adam Rainwright. Uh, they have some timely hitters as well. They have Yadier Molina. We just brought him up uh, as well. And if you go to, um, again, if you go to the Braves, same thing. They got Dallas Keuchel in their rotation. Uh, they have Mike Fulton Evans in their rotation. They have Ronald Acuna uh, as far as hitting goes. So again, all these both, all four of these teams that are playing each other right now in the National League are pretty even. I think in terms of the the American League, you can see where uh, the, the Astros are just very a lot, a lot, a lot better in than the Rays at certain things. Like they have, I think their pitching staff is a is a lot deeper. I think they have way more bats. They're deeper in terms of bats as well, uh, and that's why you can see, that's why you currently see a two to one lead. As far as the Yankees were concerned, uh, with the, the Twins, the Twins had really solid hitting. They were probably even there, but again, you see where the Yankees uh, they had a 
they had a better a better pitching staff as well. So again, and it was it was a lot better in a way in ways. So again, uh, that's what that's what we're seeing here. Uh, we're still seeing some good baseball regardless. Uh, I'm going to take one last quick break, and when I come back, I'll be breaking down some college football. I got the top 25 rankings to go over for the week, as well as some scores from last weekend. Uh, some 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 of the top scores from last weekend. But uh, I'll be right back, y'all. All right. Right, y'all i am back i'm gonna wrap this up today of course we'll be going over some college football i'm gonna start everything off with the top 25 and i'm gonna break down a little bit of how we got to this point uh but let's start off with the like i said with the rankings we're going to start off at number 25 and we have cincinnati making their first appearance on the rankings here uh here at the bottom here but they're four and one they've won three in a row uh their last game was a very important win uh 27 to 24 uh versus uh uc CF, uh, aka Central Florida, who was ranked number 18 at the time, and it's currently their first conference win of the year. Uh, so they are looking in the positive direction. Here we go uh, to number 24. Uh, we have Texas A&M. They stand at three and two. We also have a new team here to reach the top 25. Just a few spots away from Cincinnati, we have Memphis at five and zero. Oh. We also have Baylor making one of their first appearances on the top 25 since 2016, who are five and zero oh currently. We also have SMU another team here making one of their first appearances in the top 25 in a while aka uh, smu is also known as southern methodist university i've talked about them a couple of times out there in dallas texas uh they moved three spots up from last week they won six in the world uh and their uh last week they they were able to beat out tulsa in three overtimes 30 uh, sorry 43 to 37 was the final score and that was their first win as a ranked team since 1986 remember i talked to you about the ncaa and how they strip teams and how they break teams down this is an example of that again this team was was broken down after they made their violations and and whatever they were playing their players they're just now winning their first game as a ranked team since 1986 that is why the ncaa needs to change i'm glad that they're paying athletes forget everything they ever told you that was negative about it this is why SMU, good job, guys. I hope you guys can challenge in y'all conference because, again, I think a team like y'all deserves it. Uh, one thing that I will say about this team, though, is that they did, they do have one um, issue here. They do have some, they do have a weak special teams. Uh, they missed some PATs last week. They also gave up a touchdown on some, um, some kickoff recovery so they gotta they gotta tighten that up uh but for the most part uh this team is one of the best teams in the american athletic conference right now and they are they should be competing uh with i would probably say at this point uh cincinnati for probably a conference championship uh but let's move on we're gonna move on to the number 20 squad here we have virginia at four and one representing the acc up next we have another act acc team here in wake forest who stands at five and oh another undefeated team here at number 18, we have Arizona State, so we have some Pac-12 love. We have a Big Ten team showing out with number 17, Iowa, at 4-1. Michigan has made a jump the past couple of weeks. Uh, they are at number 16 uh, as of now. They are 4-1 uh, currently. Uh, the last two games, to me, I'm not, you know, I'm not really excited by them. I think they dropped the big ones to Michigan and Ohio, Michigan State and Ohio State, maybe even Penn State if they play those guys as well. I got to take a look at their schedule, but I, I don't like the way that they look in the last two weeks i'm not buying the hype uh i would i would i would just uh keep them right here at 16. uh at number 15 we have utah at four and one at number 14 we have boise state at five and oh at number 13 of course we have my ducks here uh at three and i'm uh, sorry at four and one and um we have Auburn here at 12, at 5 and 1. We have Texas at uh, number 11 here at 4 and 1 as well. They've won three in a row. Their last game was a win, 42 to 31 at West Virginia. They're currently 13th in scoring offense with 207 points in total, and they average about 41 and that 41.8 points a game. And they do have 308 passing yards per game too. So this is a passing offense, uh, very wide open. Of course, this is. Um, you know the big 12 this is what they do uh but they do have a big game this weekend versus number six oklahoma this is their rivalry game the red river shootout uh this will be very important in determining who wins the big 12 championship and of course for oklahoma they are looking to hold on to a potential playoff berth they are able to keep 
keep winning. Of course, they have to wait for some other team to lose because they are at number six right now. You need to be in the top four. But again, a win will keep them in that mix. At number 10, you have one of my personal favorite teams this year, Penn State at 5-0. and At number... Um, at number nine, we have Notre Dame at four and one. At number eight, we have Wisconsin at five and zero. Oh. At number seven, we have another really well-performing team here, uh, even with a backup quarterback. Florida. I'll talk about them in just a second. They are six and zero. At number six, we have Oklahoma at five and zero. Oh. At number five, so for now, we just have all undefeated teams, of course. This all undefeated squads here. Uh, we have LSU at number five at five and zero, oh. and at number three we have a tie. So there currently is no number four at the moment. Uh, the the AP decided to have these guys both tied for the third place spot. We have Ohio State and of course Georgia. Ohio State is six and zero, oh, and Georgia is five and zero. Oh. For Ohio State, they are first in the Big Ten in their conference with a three and zero oh conference record. Uh, they are the fifth best overall offense in the nation. And they also have the fifth best defense. I'm sorry, the best defense, or one of the best defense in the nation. They've only allowed 53 points this entire season. So through six games, uh, well, we're going to go through six games, or well, just through five games or five weeks of the college football season. They've only given up 53 points. You can't beat that. For uh, Georgia, they uh, have one of the better uh, special teams players in the in the league right now, or in the nation right now, in Rodrigo Blakenship, their place kicker. Uh, last week, he went three of three on his field goals, he including a 50-yarder. Uh, he uh, this was all at Tennessee, and so far this year, he's gone 11 and 11 in terms of his field goals, and he's not missed a field goal. Uh, well, I'm sorry, he's only missed seven field goals in his entire career at Georgia. So going for four years, he's been there for four years. He's only missed seven field goals. So very high accurate kicker, uh, definitely automatic in terms of points for them. Uh, and they also being led by quarterback Jake Fromm uh, this year. Uh, he's uh, passed for a 77 point, 77 and a half percent. Uh, completion percentage he has 1076 yards he's thrown for eight touchdowns he has zero touchdowns through this point in the season so uh georgia and ohio state are looking really good right now too good to the point where the ap can't decide who's better there you go and uh number two and number one uh it's kind of easy here you should know by now we have number two we have clemson at five and oh and also alabama here at five and oh as well how do we get here how do we get to this point well let's break down some of the action from the weekend just to kind of let y'all in on how we got there this new top 25 uh but we're gonna um break some things down here uh we have uh First things first, like I said, Tennessee getting it done against UCF, 27 to 74 was the final score there. We have uh, Wisconsin getting an easy win here against uh, Kent State, uh, 48 to zip. We have number five LSU getting another easy win here against Utah State, 42 to six. We also got Penn State here getting a getting a pretty easy uh, conference win against Purdue, 35 to seven here. Uh, uh, we're gonna break this one down uh, for Penn State. Of course, they are now five and zero on the season, currently ranked number ten. And Purdue, they are just uh, they are just one and four. Uh, but for this game, they were led by uh, at least for Purdue, uh, they were led by quarterback Jack Plummer, who went 30, 13 to twenty six seven, excuse me, for one hundred and nineteen yards. He also threw for a touchdown and rushed for sixty five yards on the ground. Uh, running back King Doru would lead the way. Uh, he would just have twenty six yards on the ground. He would lead running backs at least. Uh, Jake, uh, sorry, Jack, the quarterback, would actually be the leading rusher on the team. Go figure. Uh, wide receiver David Bell would have 56 receiving yards, and wide receiver Ahmad Anderson Jr. would have a receiving touchdown. On defense, Purdue was led by linebacker Jaden Alex, Jalen Alexander, excuse me, who had uh, 10 total tackles, and defensive end George Karloftis had eight total tackles and a sack. That name sounds familiar to you. Uh, I did mention him in my Purdue uh, preseason preview for college football. So yeah. Definitely. Uh, we have uh, for Penn State, uh, they got a good game from their quarterback, Sean Clifford, who went 20 and 29 for 264 yards. He also threw for three touchdowns, also threw an interception, however, and he did have a rushing touchdown. Uh, Noah Kane uh, led all rushers uh, with 105. Uh, yards on the ground. He also had a touchdown there as well. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson had 79 receiving yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver KJ Hunter and also tight end Pat Ferramuth had receiving touchdowns as well. And on defense, uh, the Mitney Lions were led by 
Defensive end, Shaka Tony. I like that name, Shaka Tony. Four total tackles, three sacks. Safety, Lamont Wade had 11 total tackles in the sack. And linebacker, Micah Parsons had five total tackles in the sack. And as a team, Penn State would force 10 total sacks. So again, all over the place in the backfield doing their thing. I like that defense. I like Penn State. I, did I have them as a dark horse? If I didn't, they are my dark horse. They are my definite dark horse for the Big Ten. Moving on, we have some more Big Ten action here. Of course, this is—I mean, this is Michigan here, number sixteen, getting it done against number seventeen, Iowa, thirteen. I'm sorry, ten to thirteen, ten to three. I'm sorry, was the final score here. Um, again, this was a highly ranked team in Iowa. Uh, they were in the top twenty-five, so of course, I know the Michigan fans are going to be happy about it. I don't like the fact that they only scored ten points. That's my—that's going to be my issue here. Again, I'm not—I'm not buying it. Uh, they're okay. I mean, it's a good it's a good start. I mean, they've won two in a row since that debacle in Madison, aka where the Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers play. Um, but uh, I'm not buying Michigan right now, unfortunately. Uh, let's move on. We have some Big 12 action here. Uh, number six Oklahoma gets an easy win against their conference foe Kansas, 45 to 20. Poe Kansas, they ain't never gonna win. At number, uh, I'm sorry, at number 12, I'm tripping. Uh, we do have the 12-ranked team here, Auburn, taking a loss to Florida. 24-13 was the final score here. Of course, Auburn now sits at 5-1, and one, and uh, Florida is still undefeated at 6-0. and oh. On offense, uh, quarterback Bo Nix will lead the Tigers. He went 11-26 for 145 yards. He threw for one touchdown, but he did throw three interceptions as well. On the ground, Jatarvius Whitlow will lead the way with 81 rushing yards. And wide receiver Seth Williams will be the leading receiver with four catches, 79 yards, and also a touchdown. On defense, the Tigers were led by Jeremiah Denson, who had nine total tackles, and also linebacker Zacoby McLean, who, who had 10 total tackles. For Florida, uh, of course, they were led by their backup quarterback, Kyle Trask. Again, but a really another great game. Who's been sitting in there, man, um, taking um, taking the lead for Felipe Franks. And um, he's been he's been leading the, the Gators to some really good wins here. He went 19-31 Saturday for 234 yards, excuse me, and also two touchdowns. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan will lead the Gators on the ground. Actually lead all rushers uh, with 133, 130 rushing yards and also a touchdown on the ground as well. Uh, wide receiver Freddie Swain would have six catches, 146 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Josh Hammond would have a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, on defense, the Gators had 13 tackles from their linebacker David Reese and also five tackles and an interception from the defensive back Sean Davis. Uh, moving on, we have some more top 25 scores to go over. Uh, again, Baylor uh, gets that win against Kansas State 30-12. That is the win that pushed them up to the uh, top 25. Notre Dame gets an easy shutout victory over Bowling Green 52-0. We have Texas getting it done against West Virginia 42-31. We did mention that. Uh, number 23, Memphis gets it done against Louisiana Monroe 52-33. Of course, Georgia has a very easy win against Tennessee, who was falling apart, 43 to 14. Uh, we also have uh, number 21, like I said, SMU getting that one of their most important wins in a very long time against Tulsa, 43 to 37. Uh, again, we have some Big Ten action here with Ohio State beating the brakes off of Michigan State, uh, 34 to 10. And we also uh, have uh, some Pac-12 action here, of course. Uh, my Ducks getting it done against Cal. Uh, 17 to 7 is the final score here. Of course, the Ducks hold on to that number 13 spot and they move up to 4 and 1 in terms of their overall record. We also got Cal moving down to 4 and 2. On uh, for Cal, they were led by quarterback Devin Monster, uh, who had who went 17 to 34 for 190 yards. He also threw for a touchdown. He also had two interceptions as well. Uh, running back Christopher Brown Jr. will lead the Bears on the ground. Will lead the Bears. Uh, will lead the Bears here with 42 rushing yards. He also had a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, Rob receiver Trayvon Clark had six catches and 69 yards. And on defense, the Golden Bears had help from linebacker Kwoni Dang, who had uh, 12 total tackles and also Ashton Davis, who had seven total tackles 
and an interception. For the Ducks, they were led by quarterback Justin Herbert, who went 20, 20 of 33 for 214 yards. He also threw for a touchdown, but threw a pick as well. Uh, Travis Dye will lead Oregon rushes with 81 uh, yards on the ground, and also running back Cyrus Habibi Lakio had a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, in terms of receiving, uh, tight end Jacob Reeland will be the leading receiver in terms of yards. He had five catches and 50 uh, sorry five catches and 87 yards, and wide receiver Jalen Red had a receiving touchdown. On defense, the Zuck, the Ducks, the the Zucks, whatever. The Ducks is not the Zuckerbergs. No, they are the Ducks. No, not the Duckerbirds. The Fighting Ducks. Okay, don't make fun of my squad. Don't make fun of the way I say their name either. Linebacker Isaac Slade, Matau. We, oh man, Matau Tia. There we go. Forgive me, bro. I'm gonna learn all y'all names. Forgive me. Give me time, bro. He had seven total tackles in the sack. And linebacker, defense. Uh, sorry, not linebacker, but defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau. Man, he's gonna be a monster. Three total tackles and two sacks. And again, the Ducks have a. You know, it's really weird because, again, I, I found it hella funny because I'm watching the highlights of this game or I'm watching the score of this game, checking in at work. And I'm sitting there like, damn, for all these years, Oregon has been one of the top offensive teams. We've been blowing teams out 55, 24, you know, 60 to 33, all type of stuff. But now the past few years, and, and for what it's worth, you know, we've had a great offensive team, but we never had a great defensive team. Again, we, we in a game like this, you know, in the past, we probably were giving up, you know, we probably would have had 40 points, maybe giving up 30, 27 points, something like that. A bunch of yards in the air, a bunch of yards on the ground, something like that. And it's funny because now the Ducks, they're a lot better on defense. One of the top teams in the nation in terms of sacks. They get they get interceptions. They, they get turnovers. Uh, they don't give up a lot of yardage this year. Uh, but what it's wor- for what it's worth, the offense has not you know, shown up in a lot of cases. Again, 17 points for a team like the Ducks is ridiculous, especially what we've been doing over the past few years. So, um, but I'll take the win. Uh, there is definitely some things to work out. I, I It might even be on Justin Herbert. I mean, I got to look at some more of the highlights. I got to look at some more of the games here, but um, I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at that Auburn loss again as well. Uh, because again, I just feel like, you know, as good as defense we've been playing, for us to not for us for us to still not be firing all, all on all cylinders offensively is crazy for me. But again, I think the identity of the team has changed. So I think that's what a lot of people in the fan base don't really seem to get. Uh, we're we're not you know flashy, uh, you know flash in the pan offense. You know trying to get the big home run play through the air or through the run like we used to be. I think we're playing a lot more uh, like an SEC team. Some more powerful running, some more up the gaps type of stuff. Uh, some more you know quarterback three-step drops and stuff like that some more pro style elements you know um it's not necessarily spread the ball out or run rpos run past options a whole lot anymore so it's they're trying to make it i think a, a harder offense meaning a a much more physical offense as well it was so it was so finesse for so many years and there were so many things we couldn't do and to be honest with you if it, it you know for what is and another thing is i will tell you as a duck fan as a team who's watched as as somebody who's watched the team for for many years i would say this i say i would say this as much as the offense did not show up as much as we might have liked it to i don't think that we would have probably won a game like that under chip kelly or mark helfrich two of the more offensive uh sounded coaches we probably had in the past few years i think we only won a game like that with somebody like mario cristobal and uh i think it's a it's a matter of before time uh before we are able to beat teams like lsu and in auburn in the regular season i think the way that we call our plays or the offense might be a little bit slower it might not be as dynamic as we're used to it being but i def- i definitely think it's effective and it's and we score when it counts and i think that's what sec offenses do and i think that's kind of what he's our co- our head coach currently our head coach mario cristobal is trying to do so again i know this is not the prettiest of wins that my Doug fans would want but again it's a victory nonetheless and we are in the driver's seat of, in terms of our conference with Washington losing last week. So you have to take it as what it is. Uh, again, we still have to play Washington ourselves. That's going to be a very important game. Uh, and I think with an offense like this, I think with uh, what he's been trying to get us to 
uh, get the team to be on in terms of their level, in terms of their physicality. Uh, again, we have some very great defensive uh, linemen. We have some very great people on defense, hitting guys. Of course, you have Slade here. Again, I like it. I love. I love what we're doing here. It's just not. It's just. It's. It's just not a. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not an overnight thing. We're not gonna just outright just you know in two or three years under a certain head coach just outright win conference championships you know or national championships. It's a process. Uh, last year there was there was things that we could not do defensively. There was things that we could not do offensively. We can now do those things. It's a it's a process, and um, I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm still confident in Doug's ability uh, to win the conference title. I I feel more confident every week. The more we win, the more teams like uh, the more uh, and the more we win, and the more teams like Washington take a lot take losses. The more teams like Cal, they were really hot to begin the year. We were, they were really a concern, especially with that win after uh, that after that win in Ole Miss. I thought there could have been a concern there, uh, and the, and the game was close. And the game was close. And again, you do see some some uh, some evidence to say that Cal is a much better team than they were. Than they were. So again, I'm going to take these wins that they as they come. Uh, this conference is just going to get harder and harder as we go. And I think if we change certain things about our identity, it might keep us uh, in that in that conference hunt. So that's my opinion. Uh, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Uh, once again, that's ljbutler75 at gmail.com. eljbutler75 at gmail.com. I also have a, a Facebook and an Instagram as well. You can follow me at L Jamal Johnny. Uh, that is spelled E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is L Jamal Johnny. E L J A M A H A D J A N I. And uh, you can follow me. I have a Facebook page for the actual show as well at Never Out of Bounds. Of course, that is Never Out of Bounds. B O U N D S. Of course, and um. For the rest of this week, of course, we're going to be doing, uh, I have another list for you guys. I have another top 10. I'll be doing my part two of my, of the least, of my, or the least, or the worst. I think I should, yeah, just say the worst. Uh, the worst Republican and conservative ran cities part two. I have a part two of that list. I am working on part seven of my Golden State issue, the history of California immigration. We do have a war on the street and we do have some baseball news to talk about. I didn't mention it today, but there's some, there's some issues going on in, uh, some Bay Area baseball that I did not get to. I want to get to that as well. So I'll be getting to that, uh, if not tomorrow. Yeah, probably tomorrow. Uh, we'll get to that either tomorrow morning or tomorrow night. Break down some of that. And of course, we have three key three key uh, takeaways from week three. Uh, sorry, not week three. I'm, I'm, I'm off a little bit. We have three key takeaways from week four in the NFL. Uh, we're going to have and also three questions for week five going into the NFL. Uh, of course, we have uh, some... Uh, baseball updates to give you guys as well of course we are underway in the playoffs so again uh we have some playoff action going on tonight in the in the, in the mlb so we have to go over that as well so it's gonna be a lot of stuff to go over this week i'm gonna be busy with you guys don't worry i'll be here i'm on top of it uh we have some of course some news stories to go over as well i'm pretty sure there's some updates going on in washington with the whole impeachment thing we're taking a little bit of a break from that but we'll be back on it this week don't worry about it i'm on it for you guys whatever y'all want to know let me know i'll I'll see to it that I do it. Um, if you are looking to make any donations, I do have uh, some links on my Facebook page for my uh, PayPal and my uh, Cash App. Anything is appreciated. Again, I've told you guys before, I'm looking to make this at some point my career. Uh, so I'm trying to find ways uh, in order to, you know, get further along with that. I have to get some things as far as uh, some technical, some equipment, you know, uh, mics, you know laptop all that stuff we are working on that as well so uh just just hit me up any way you can uh even if it's even if it's just to interact with me and let me know how i'm doing or any uh advice you'd like to give me i'm definitely all ears for that uh so again uh this is your man l jamal signing out for now and uh if anybody hasn't told you yet peace out one love and i'll highlight you guys later